Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 69 of the podcast. And today I have my good friend, Carl Condoliffe from New Zealand, joining us on the podcast for the second time. And Carl is going to share a Maori tradition, uh, which is a um, health philosophy in New Zealand. And it's called the Hoyorta approach, where they they basically modeled this health philosophy around a house. So a house has got four walls. And without those walls all being the same value and the same strength, the house would fall down. So those four walls have made up of physical well-being, mental and emotional, social well-being and spiritual well-being. Now, this was something completely new to me and um, even though it is something that is taught in New Zealand, there are so many little gems and takeaways today that you can start bringing this into your current teaching and your teaching practices. And not only that, you can action some of these into your day-to-day routine. So hopefully you enjoy my chat with Carl. I know I did. Carl, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, Dale. It's uh, great to be able to catch up with you again. Thanks, mate. And uh, two-time episode superstar you are now, mate. And I really appreciate you coming on today's podcast. And uh, how's things going, mate? School term sort of wrapping up in New Zealand, is it? Yeah, we get it. We're about to enter into the tenth week of the term, so we're heading into mid-year break. And it's been, you know, it's been a long ten weeks. We're heavy into the assessment at the moment, so uh, kids are stressed, teachers are stressed. Uh, it's really fatigue's kicking in, and it's time for a break. Yeah, I know that, mate. I know the feeling. We've just started our holidays ourselves. And for people listening, Carl has been on the podcast before. We did episode number 33 together where um, we have created uh, the platform Learning with Doc Games. So if you haven't checked that out, that's a different uh, topic on gamification. But today, Carl, we've got a completely different sort of area we're going to focus on, and that is sort of uh, health and well-being and so forth like that. Now, you've got a really cool philosophy in New Zealand called the Horda way of looking at it. Would you like to explain a little bit about that? Because I'd never heard about this till we spoke about it during the week. Yeah, sure, mate. Um, so Hawata is, it's a Māori philosophy of well-being. So it's, uh, Hawata means well-being in Māori, and it's a concept of uh, well-being, not just being uh, one small thing. So a very westernised thinking of health is that it all it's all about our physical, but uh there's a lot of different models of health around the world. And when you start breaking down and looking at some of the uh, the cultural definitions of health or the models of health uh, around Pacifica nations and Māori, you start seeing this more holistic approach. So Hawata is uh, a model of health that encompasses the physical, the mental and emotional, the social and the spiritual dimensions of health. And it has a really, it's it's a really unique way to look at your well-being and your health, and it's an extension of Te Whare Tapawha, which is a model by Mason Jury, and it says that basically explains that we we have these four dimensions, as I've mentioned, and they're represented by four walls. So each of those walls are, are like a cornerstone of health. So we have Tahatinana, your physical, we have Tahawairo, which is your spiritual, Tahafano, which is uh, is your social and your your family and taha hinengaro, which is your mental health. So what this model says is that you can be healthy 
And you can be healthy in any of those dimensions. And you can be really strong in any of those dimensions. But true health is when you are strong in all of those uh, cornerstones. So a good example I like to use is if you're an Olympic athlete, for example, let's say you're a marathon runner or a sprinter and you're representing your country at the Olympics. To get to that level of performance, you need a really, really strong uh, physical dimension of health. And you probably also need a really strong uh, mental and emotional well-being as part of that. But in all your training, all the commitment, all the sacrifice to get there, you might have a very low social well-being. You know, you don't have time for your friends and you don't go out much. You don't get to spend a lot of um, time at home with your family because you're doing so much training. So you might be lacking in that dimension. So according to this Māori philosophy of health, you have some real weaknesses there in terms of your overall well-being. So that's probably a, a, the easiest way for me to describe it to you. Yeah, I, I love I love the model, and hence why I wanted to share it with my audience, and I wanted to learn a little bit about it as well. And I, I've been reading up on it, and the big thing I really like about it is that obviously people know about physical well-being, and um, I talk about this a lot, and I know you do too. But um, when it talks about like mental and emotional, it's talking about self-confidence, and I think these are areas that we don't go into a lot. And social well-being is all about our own self-esteem, um, and the big one there that. I love, and it's one thing that I really think we need to be drumming in with students is the spiritual well-being. It's all about personal belief. Um, do you find that um, overall, because you teach this to year nine, do you find overall that there is one area that's a little less, um, a less uh, area within your students that you need a lot more work? Because obviously physical's probably one that most students in PE you know, are quite good at. Are any of the others that you find are quite lacking? I, th- I think definitely your, your taha hinangaro, which is your mental and emotional, and your taha wairua, they are probably the two most maybe misunderstood. I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but those two dimensions are the ones that students always struggle with because it's easy to talk about your physical well-being, what you eat, your exercise, looking after your body. And we all know what social well-being is and our relationships and our friends and our interpersonal skills and that feeling of belonging. But when you look at mental and emotional and you look at spiritual and spiritual as well, people get a little bit caught up about spiritual being just about religion. And we know that across society, there's all sorts of different levels of religion and atheism, for example. So people don't always have those beliefs, but you can still have a really strong spiritual well-being because it's about things like your values and beliefs and where you gain meaning and purpose in life. So we often spend a bit of time working on those two dimensions with our year nines. And with with the year nines, obviously that's um, an age group where, you know, a lot of different things are going on in their bodies and so forth like that. Do you find some of this can be quite confronting for some of the students? Yeah, I, I think when you're, when you're teaching health, which is where we teach this, this model, obviously, and it's not just year nine as well, it's senior health, this has some application and some achievement standards around that. Um, but it's always, there's always the potential for a confronting situation when you're talking about yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and um, your values and what is important to you. There's always that opportunity for confrontation. So it's really important. And we always start the year off uh, creating and establishing a really safe environment with our students. So it's one of the most important aspects of health for me as a PE and health teacher is having that safe environment. When you have a safe environment, people are more inclined to share and, and be open and be comfortable 
as long as the student is comfortable and, um, you know, they don't even have to share stories, but being comfortable also allows them to be good listeners and they, they don't have to contribute by sharing ideas or thoughts, but being able to listen and hear other people and hear other people people's experiences, I think, is a really important aspect and that all links into that safe environment. I think what you just mentioned there, the skill of listening, it's... Uh... I think it is one of the hardest skills to actually master these days, particularly with all the distractions we've got going on with the internet, social media, um, all these points of call that we've now got things going on. Um, Do you find that students really sort of struggle with that, listening and being present? Man, I had a lesson on Friday that was just so bad. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to reflect on it and think about what caused it and how I could have change that scenario but it's just kids listening it's particularly at year nine and ten that the new kids coming into the school you know you talk about all of those distractions but even in an environment where I'm an experienced teacher and I have that authority in the classroom and around around the school I still have those times where I struggle with kids being able to listen and in this class this lesson that we had it was uh, some students designing a game and teaching it to their class and the kids just wouldn't listen. And it could be that, that they were demonstrating some leadership and they might not have been doing that as well. But when even when I stepped in um, to try to settle the class and explain the situation to them, I just wasn't getting anything from them. And so I, I do wonder where that, what the underlying cause of those listening issues are. And it could be the distractions and the devices and stuff like that, but it could also be how we approach teaching that skill, and it's not a, um, a skill that's, I guess, often taught in schools. It's something we expect the students to be able to come in and do, and we think, and in our heads, so it's just listening. It's just stopping and drowning out those distractions so that you can hear everything. Hear everything, but obviously, there is scope for us to incorporate teaching around aspects um, of that skill set. Yeah, because I think it's a massive skill and I see it every day now that students just don't listen because they're, they're, they're already thinking about something else or their mind's somewhere else. They're, they're actually not present and I think the reason that I feel is um, obviously devices, social media, gaming, it, it does have a really powerful positive effect but it also can have a negative one. So that's very interesting that you mentioned that. Now, obviously this is a New Zealand concept and philosophy and you guys have got such a strong culture background there and one of the things I loved when I've been to your school is um, the brotherhood that you guys have do you want to describe a little bit about that and does that sort of go in line with this philosophy that you know it's a really tight-knit group yeah it does it really fits in with that tahafana the social well-being and our school is really our college is, is really well known for this aspect of brotherhood and it draws from our heavy Māori and Pacifica population within the school and how that is uh, visible in the school is this caring for one another, this brotherhood, like looking after your peers within the class as if they were your brothers. And I remember when I first shifted here, I, I, I had an interview and I accepted the job and I mentioned it to one of my current colleagues. And he was like, oh, you're going to wrong a dogs. What a stupid, what a stupid idea. So I thought I was coming into this really rugged environment, but I remember coming in on my first day and just walking through the corridor, and uh, I came to it. We have these these uh, swinging doors, and I went to open it, and this kid just popped out of nowhere, and he 
said, Kia ora, sir, and he held the door open for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like something really, really simple. But And it could be that I came from quite a liberal school that was a, a completely different environment, and I'd come here. But that just that just blew me away. And every single day I see aspects of brotherhood uh, within the school that just they just surprise you. And it's, it's really about caring for one another and being there for one another. And it's, it's evident in everything we do. We have this big uh, athletics meet. It's called McEvity Shield where four boys' schools come together. And there's a lot of ruckus around it and um, a lot of things happen and there's a bit of tagging and just kids being mischievous really before a big event. But And I'm going to say it, but our, our kids just don't get involved with that because it's not about that. It's about looking after one another. The focus is on um, representing the school well and, um, I guess, demonstrating the skill of brotherhood in the in the public eye. Yeah, and I, I love that. I love watching when uh, your whole school does a haka to, um, for the new students or the teachers. I've seen it a couple of times on your videos and so forth, and it's really powerful. And I love that model of brotherhood and looking after each other and things like that. And I think that's what this Hoorda, um approach does. Now, um, we've got a lot of teachers listening around the world, Carl. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, mate. But how could we implement these four key dimensions into any school around the world, any curriculum, is, is there maybe a couple of little simple steps that teachers listening along at home could action straight away? Yeah, I, I think it would be quite simple and it would probably fit within a lesson or a unit where you're looking at different models of health and breaking down how uh, different cultures consider approaching health and all it would really take, I think, is, is getting a good understanding of uh, the four dimensions and what they entail and why those factors are important. Why is physical well-being important? Why is mental and emotional well-being important? Why is social well-being, why is spiritual well-being important? And then understanding uh, what are the components of that aspect of well-being. But there's a lot of um, content out there um, on Hawada. There's a lot of content out there on Te Whare Tapawha by Mason Jury and looking at um, this Māori health model and this holistic approach to health, that it's really, I feel it would just be a matter of getting an understanding of those four dimensions and being able to share those with your students and maybe get them to think about what dimensions that they're strong in and what dimensions they're weak in. And then I guess looking at how they can enhance those weaker models. And that's always how um, we go about introducing them is um, getting the kids to just reflect a little bit on their lives and what they do on a day-to-day basis and how those dimensions fit within their lives. And kids often think, well, I'm really healthy. You know, I'm in the first 15 or whatever. I'm, you know, I, I represent um, my club in, at this level in sport, but then when they think about it and they think about those other dimensions, they actually go, oh, well, there's actually a lot of scope there for me to develop my overall well-being. And even when I think about myself and the dimensions that uh, I might fall short in, it's about trying to enhance those a little bit as well so I can be a little bit um, more whole or more complete in terms of my health and well-being. 
I yeah, I love that, mate. My my head's already racing about how I could implement this in my teaching and talk about obviously the house that would fall down without having four strong walls that support each other. You know, if, if one's too heavy, it's going to push over the others and so forth like that. And and then I I reckon I'd get the students to you know rate themselves and give themselves a score out of 10 about each one. And, and the lower ones, I might say, all right, well, now you need to create a game or you need to create some concept that focuses on those areas that you can use to implement into your day-to-day life or something like that. And I'm sure teachers around the world are thinking about it as well because um, we talk about health and particularly physical health a lot, like you mentioned. But when it comes to those uh, other three sort of dimensions, um, we don't mention them a lot and sometimes it can be quite hard. But if you put it into that model of a house and... People, you know, you can even build that house in a classroom and get a heavier wall or whatever. So I, I really like that and it'd be interesting if people out there are listening, try this in uh, their curriculum with their teaching. We'd love to hear from you. So feel free to send us an email. Now, Carl, I've just got a couple of little questions before we finish up. Um, daily routines, I know they're massive. We talk about this a lot. Um, I was on a podcast as yours recently. Um, what are your daily routines, mate, around dominating each day and setting up in the morning and then in the evening? Yeah. Okay, mate. This, this is a, a big part of my life. And if I don't hit my daily routines, then I know I'm in for a really rough day for a number of reasons. But uh, how I like to approach my routines is I get up at about 6 a.m. And the first thing I do is I go uh, straight to the couch it's quite cold at the moment, so I just chuck a blanket over me and I've got my <laughs> get my headphones out and I do some meditation, just a very short daily meditation of 10 minutes. And I use an app called Calm and it has a yearly subscription. But I've just heard that uh, if you're a teacher, you can get this for free. And I paid like 80 bucks for it for a 12-month membership. But um, this is a fantastic application and it has a new daily meditation, but it also has all of these courses that you can go through. So I, I start off with a daily 10-minute meditation, um, and that just I, I find is a good way to get my day started and have me and um, you know thinking about my spiritual well-being and you know that's what we've talked about puts me in a really good position there. After that, I have a little reflective journal, um, and that talks about um, it's just a little bit of gratitude so three things that I'm grateful for and then a second question which um, just asks me how could I make today great and what are the things I need to do to ensure that today is good for me Um, after that I do a little bit of planning I check my to-do list I make sure that um, I'm just at least thinking about some of the things that need to get done today and making sure that I'm prioritizing the right things. Um, and that's my morning routine done. I I then go off and I get the kids up and I put them through their routines and I cook them. I cook a hot breakfast for my kids every day, which is pretty cool for them and, and for my wife. And that, that finishes off my routine. We go to work. Um, I also have uh, a daily training. And this is, a, a, is probably the most important thing for me in my day and regardless of how busy I am or what deadlines I have or what is due that day I always put aside an hour a day to do some weight training or some sort of physical training Um, but for me it's usually resistance training in the gym so I do that for an hour and while I'm doing that I put my headphones on I listen to an audio book because I'm I'm training sort of eight nine hours of Uh, a week and that's eight nine hours where I can be doing some learning as well so it's either a podcast or an audio book and for people that follow the stuff I do at the moment I'm trying to read 52 books this year and that's the way that's a bit of a time hack for me to to read those books Um, and then 
my I guess my daily routine finishes in the evening where I sometimes do a bit of meditating and stretching. I don't always do this, but I definitely do a bit of uh, reflection on how my day went. Basically, three things that were awesome from my day. And then of uh, it finishes off with something that didn't go as well as I hoped. And how could I flip that um, and make that a positive? Or how could I have done that better? So next time I'm faced with that challenge, I can be in a better position to... Um, to execute on that. So those are really the three big things, the morning, meditation, um, and reflection, gratitude, then the training during the middle of the day sometime, usually during lunchtime, and then that evening reflection as well. And if I don't get those done, then I'm just, my day is messy, I'm all over the show, I'm not thinking about the right things, I get behind, I miss my deadlines, um, so I have to get those in to have a really successful day. And I, I've just been ticking off on the four dimensions of the whole order and, and you do that every day, mate. So you are living proof that, you know, if you have four strong walls, you have a quality life. And I think that is awesome. You set the day up well in the morning. You make sure you get your exercise in, which I agree is non-negotiable. Um, it doesn't have to be weight training. It could be a walk. It could be anything. Um, and then yep. you finish the day really well. Now, um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but the 52 books in 52 weeks, mate, what to, what's brought this challenge on? I, I know uh, we talk a lot and I know you've been doing this. Um, what, what made you do this? Oh, the hashtag popped up somewhere. Um, I don't know. I, I like a challenge. It's something that's really hard. You know, I'm, I'm behind already. I'm on about, I think I've just finished 22, 22 or 23 books. Um, so I'm a little bit behind. But I, I, I love a challenge. You know, that's a, it's a, it's a, I'm always looking for new challenges. And this is a pretty big challenge to read 52 books in 52 weeks. Um, one thing I'm finding is that I'm probably not digesting enough from the books, uh, which is a little bit, um, I'm a bit sad about that because I am reading some fantastic books. And I think after this challenge, I'm going to go back and read some of these books, uh, because I'm, I'm just hearing some great stuff that I want to revisit. But all it is really is, um, I think I read somewhere that really successful, some of the world's most successful people read a book a week and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. Um, so I'm trying to do that and I do it with the audio books while I'm at the gym and I have a Kindle which I'll read, try to read for half an hour a night. Nice. I like that, mate. And that's a, it's a really good challenge. I, I take my hat off to you. I think it's uh, really amazing. But, uh, Carl, as you've given a, a wealth of information there, and I know teachers listening around the world will be able to take a lot away from that. Now, if people like that, and I know you talk about this a lot in your stuff, Carl, where can we find out more about your podcast and follow you and so forth like that, buddy? Uh, so I have I have a podcast called the NZPE Teachercast, and you can check that out on facebook.com forward slash NZPE Teachercast. I have Twitter, NZPE Teacher. I use Instagram a lot. There's not many educators on Instagram. I think it's a really valuable tool because um, it's, it really is image-based or video-based. So there's a lot that you can show and learn on that platform. So I'm on there as NZPE Teacher. Um, so those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me or have a look at some of the content that I share and put out there. So yeah, go for gold. 
Nice, mate. And, and I'll give myself a little plug. I've, I've uh, followed your lead from Instagram and just created an energetic education, and that's the handle uh, for, obviously, this podcast and everything we do. So if you are a teacher and you're not on Instagram, I, I like it as well because it's really just sharing images or audio, and um, it's, yeah, it's a lot easier to see good practices or things you're using in the classroom through an image or audio than what it is normally written. You get a, you get a better picture, I feel. So, Carl, I'll have all those links in the show notes, and I'm sure people will get get a lot out of our chat today so thanks again for being on here the second time mate um and before we go we've actually got a couple more workshops coming up mate in hamilton and christchurch you are excited about those yeah mate i'm i'm pumped you know it was really exciting to meet some of the the teachers uh last time in our auckland and wellington workshops and i thought they went they were really well received and uh, we've been working on a few more things that we can bring to the table around that gamification and game-based learning. Uh, so I'm excited about um, getting around and meeting some new people. Yeah, I am too, mate. And, and for people listening at home in New Zealand, if you're based in Hamilton or Christchurch, uh, we will have links out soon where you can book in and come to our workshop. But um, that's all for today, Carl. Superstar, thank you very much, buddy. Cheers, Dale. Stop, don't go anywhere. If you love today's episode, then you will love to stay up to date with everything we are producing. If you are part of the Apple family and have an iPhone or an iPad, simply go to Energetic Education on iTunes and you'll be able to download our new app for free. This app has all of our videos we've created, our blogs, and every episode of the podcast where you will never miss another episode. So go and download today and start enjoying this free app.